Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we chat with Esther Smith about her book, Chronic Illness, Walking by Faith. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Esther Smith has an MA in Counseling from Liberty University and a certificate from Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. She is a biblical counselor at Life Counseling Center in Maryland. Hey there, Esther. Thanks so much for joining us for the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, before we get started in our conversation, would you take a few minutes to share about why you wanted to write this book? So this book definitely came out of my own experience of living with chronic illness. I have dealt with chronic illness probably for about the past 10 years, and it was just very difficult to process that experience. It was difficult to uh, process the grief. It was difficult to process the loss. And the way I started to do that was by writing. I would just write about what I was feeling. I would write to God. I would just write to process what I was experiencing. And out of that writing came this book. So personal writing turned into blog posts, um, which kind of turned into this book. And what I really wanted to do was to speak very specifically to people with chronic illness in a way that they would read the book and feel like, wow, she's really describing me. Um, There's a lot of really great books about suffering out there and a lot of universal truths in those books that we need to hear. But I wanted to take those more universal truths and make them so very specific to people with chronic illness so that when they read the book, they would feel very seen, very understood, very known. So that's that's really where the desire to write this book came from because I knew what I needed. I knew that I needed that and I wanted to offer that to other people as well. I definitely got that sense as I was reading the book that you just really identified with the reader. And even though I haven't personally experienced a chronic physical illness, I even felt like, wow, I'm really getting a sense of what this experience would be. And so I just really do appreciate the vulnerability that you shared in the book. I think it really does make it easy for the reader who is living with a chronic illness to connect with you on that level. I wondered if you might help us understand what makes living with chronic illness so difficult to bear up under. Maybe help those especially who aren't familiar with the experience understand some of the common but perhaps lesser known emotional and spiritual challenges? Yeah. So I think one of the hardest things about it is that there is no end date. So before I experienced chronic illness, it's not that I had never gone through hard things, but I could always reassure myself, okay, this is going to end. You know, this is not going to be forever. And I think that's really what makes chronic illness so hard is first that you have to kind of figure out what to do with the fact that this is long-term, possibly forever until a heaven. And you also have to deal with the fact that it's so very constantly changing. You know, that's, I think for me, that's what's been most difficult recently is that you start to learn how to deal with certain symptoms and then new symptoms come up. Um, So even in the past three months, I've just had a couple of new 
symptoms come up. And it's brought me to this place of wrestling again with the fact that, wow, each time something new comes up, I have to breathe this. I have to rearrange my life. I have to figure this out. I have to deal with the same emotions that come up time and time again. Because it is, like you mentioned, there is this huge emotional component. For a lot of people, it leads to depression, often related to not being able to do the things that you want to do from being isolated at home. It leads to a lot of anxiety for people. A lot of guilt and shame, like that is a huge theme for a lot of people where you just feel guilty for not being able to do the things you think you should be doing. Um, And a lot of shame related to not being the person that you used to be before or related to maybe using mobility devices or having to take certain medications. There actually is a stigma attached to physical illness. Like You would be surprised how much of a stigma a lot of people actually feel for not being able to do things or needing certain accommodations. I would say those are some of the themes that I hear over and over again, just in my own life, but also in the the lives of people I talk to. I wonder if you would explain from your own personal experience why you think that talking with God, especially about the person's journey through chronic illness, is sometimes the very last thing that somebody wants to do. Maybe give us a little bit of an understanding of what that spiritual fight is for someone who is walking through such physical turmoil day in and day out? Yes, I am. I'm glad you asked that question because I think we talk a lot about those times when chronic illness leads us closer to God. And that does happen. That does often happen for a lot of people. And it has happened for me at times. But there is this other side of things where there are times when the suffering related to illness can actually lead you in the other direction. And I think it has a lot to do with experiences of doubt. So you're having an experience in your life that doesn't seem to align with with scripture. God says that he's there, but it feels like he isn't. And that can lead to a lot of doubt for some people. For other people, it's not even that it's it's doubt. It's more that there's just this anger towards God of just how could you let this happen to me? And I think when you find yourself in that place, it does become difficult to talk to God. And I think we need to recognize that because it is a lot of people's experience And I think people are hesitant to talk about it because they feel ashamed that that's the way things are happening for them. You know, it's not leading them closer to God. What's wrong with me? But it is actually a very common experience that I hear people talk about a lot and that I have experienced to some degree in my life as well at different times. It just kind of is a back and forth, I think. I really appreciated that you write about the real experience of loss that accompanies living with a chronic illness, loss of hopes for the future, loss of abilities to do different things that maybe someone had on their list of life achievements they wanted to do. You wrote in the book, quote, our losses are real and hard and should be mourned, but sometimes loss leads to gain. So can you explain what you meant by that statement? So I think that this is kind of the flip side of the coin of the question that you had asked me before of, so why are there times when God is sometimes the last person we want to talk to? And there are times like that. 
And then I think that this is kind of the flip side of the coin where there are other times when suffering just leads us to Christ. There are times when suffering and the things it takes away from us causes us to realize how much we need Christ. It causes us to realize how much those things that we lost, we actually were relying on them more than we realized. So in this spiritual sense, loss leads to gain because it leads us to Christ and it leads us to dependence on him. And I don't really talk about this in the book, but I think that's true in a lot of other areas of life as well, not just spiritually, but there really are things that I have gained from the losses of chronic illness that I don't think I would have gained any other way. Um, I have friendships, very important friendships that I can't imagine not having that I never would have met them if it weren't for chronic illness. I'm not sure if my career path would be going the same direction as it is if it weren't for my chronic illness. I wouldn't have started writing if it weren't for my chronic illness. So there really is this sense in which God does take our losses, at least he has, he's definitely done this for me, and brings good things out of them uh, spiritually, but also in other areas of our life as well. Yeah, I almost this makes me think back to, you know, even the life of Jesus Christ. And if we think and reflect on his life and his passion and crucifixion, you know, through the cross, God brings gain for those who put their faith in Christ. And so I think that is a big picture of how the Lord redeems and brings about glory through suffering. And I know one of the common themes in the Bible is suffering before glory. And I think someone like you are talking about walking through chronic illness, you're living that reality day in and day out of I'm experiencing suffering and hoping for that glory to come. I wonder if you might help us understand how the scriptures inform the way that we view and care for our bodies. I appreciated how honest you were about the real wrestling that goes on with trying to prioritize bodily care, especially when we feel we might be tempted to feel guilty or selfish for making that a priority in our lives. So would you talk a little bit about that for us? Yeah, so the first thing that I, I go to in my mind is that even Jesus rested and even Jesus took time for self-care. He went away and took time for solitude and there were times when crowds followed him and he could have healed more people, he could have preached more sermons, but he decided to you know slip away into the wilderness and you know spend time praying, spend time on his own. So that, you know, that's always the first thing I think about is if Jesus needed time to rest and time to himself and time for self-care, then how much more do we? You know, that's the first thing I go to. And then I talk a lot in the book about the passage in Corinthians where it talks about the body as a temple. And as I was writing the book, I spent a lot of time just thinking about that passage and really thinking about the implications of it to self-care. And it was so encouraging to me to really dive into that because, you know, it talks about the body as a temple. It talks about how we belong to God and how we are, our bodies are headed to this very glorious place and our bodies are not our own. And our goal is to glorify God in the way we use our bodies. And if you really think about that, it has a lot of implications for self-care because if our body is a temple, how do we treat 
temples. Like when we go into temples, we, we treat them with, with great care. They're holy places. We're very, we're very careful about how we take care of them. And, and how do we, how do we take care of things that don't belong to us? Something very important that belongs to somebody else. If we belong to God, you know, how do we take care of, of things that belong to very important people? We are very careful with them and we take great care of them. So I, I came to this conclusion out of this passage that it is okay to spend long periods of time caring for our bodies. And it is okay for that to be a huge part of our lives when that is needed to care for our bodies well. And I think the other side of that is that, you know, if we're called to glorify God with our bodies, and that looks like, you know, serving other people, it looks like living for God, then we will be able to better do that if our bodies are healthier. You know, so that's the other conclusion I came to from that passage. And I think it's very important, not just for people with chronic illness, but for, for people in general who might be prone to overusing their bodies to think about it in this way. You mentioned too that chronic illness can often feel like riding an unpredictable roller coaster. Can you offer us some biblical wisdom for responding to the constant ups and downs of physical suffering and spiritual weariness? Yeah, so I really think it comes down to taking one day at a time or even one hour or one moment at a time. Because if you have in your mind, the fact that I have to deal with this for the rest of my life, <laughs> or I have to deal with this for this next year or this next week even, it feels so overwhelming that you start to feel like, I don't know how I can possibly bear this. So it really comes down to taking each moment as it comes, appreciating the good days as they come, because there are good days. And sometimes those good days get ruined by oh no, like tomorrow is probably going to be terrible, you know? And so we actually lose a lot of the enjoyment of those good moments if we can't stay in the moments and we feel unable to bear the bad moments if we convince ourselves that that bad moment is going to last forever and that there's never going to be any break or any relief or any good thing that will come to us. So, you know, I think a lot about taking each day as it comes and knowing that God will give us strength for each day as it comes. He will give us the manna that we need for that day, but he won't give us what we need for tomorrow. You know, that will come when tomorrow comes. And I think a really practical way to kind of bring ourselves to the moment is I just ask myself a lot of questions. The most helpful question that I have found for myself is just to ask, do I have enough strength to make it through this moment? Like if I'm having a really, a really hard time, especially in the middle of the night, you wake up, it just feels, everything feels worse in the middle of the night, pain feels worse in the middle of the night. To, to ask yourself, okay, do I have enough strength to make it through this moment? Because that's all I have to do. That's all I have to worry about. And that really does kind of ground yourself into the moment. And for me, I find that I can usually answer yes to that question. And that really is kind of this relief of, okay, yes, God is giving me what I need for right now. And that's all I need to worry about. You know, on those good days to just take advantage of them, I think we really need to make sure that we do that so that we don't miss out on the good gifts that God does give us. 
In the book, you reflect, quote, I used to think my illness was a spiritual liability because it kept me from doing so many things. In what ways do you think the gospel has helped to reshape your thinking in that area? This was actually one of the first things I started writing about when I was processing my personal experience. I wrote a lot around the question of wouldn't I be more useful if I were healthy? Like this question that I had for God of this doesn't make any sense. I could do all these great, wonderful, amazing things for you (laughs) if I were healthy. And to write through that and to realize the pride behind that mindset, to realize the pride behind feeling like my life was only going to be valuable if I was contributing and accomplishing and being productive. And so before I processed it, it did feel like my illness and the limitations that came with it were a spiritual liability because God, I could do all these great things for you if it weren't for this. But the gospel really does help us rethink that question and come at it from a much more biblical perspective of seeing that our value does not rest in our ability to be productive. Our value does not rest in what we are able to accomplish. And that is not what saves us. You know, when we are able to rest in what Christ has done for us, it really frees us from the need to prove ourselves. It frees us from finding our identity in our work, which is what I really did for a long time and what I, you know, I still struggle with. When new symptoms come up, I still struggle with that feeling of this is unfair and it doesn't make sense. And it's allowing me to do less in ministry, but I really have to step back and rest in what Christ has done for me. As you're talking, I'm reflecting on Paul and his thorn in his side and how he pleaded Mm -hmm. with the Lord to remove it. And God's like, nope, (laughs) nope. And actually the thorn was to keep him from being excessively proud and boasting because God had given him some kind of special revelations. And so the thorn was specifically placed there to do exactly what it is you're talking about. Our thorns are designed to keep us humble, to keep us from a false sense of identity, to keep us from boasting in our efforts that we can do these things. Yeah, and that is such a good point because the really interesting thing is that when God does that, when he uses our weaknesses in that way, at least in my life, it has actually led me to be more effective in ministry. Like when I start relying on God because of my weaknesses, you know, that's when I'm going to him in prayer. That's when I'm recognizing that, okay, I cannot do this on my own. I need God with me in the counseling room. I need God to help me with my writing and to get my ideas across. And so it really is my weaknesses that lead me to rely on God and, like I said, actually become more effective in ministry, but with a proper motive where it's not this pride that's telling me, I'll go and do all these things for the Lord. And, you know, you will be a better person if you do these things, but it's really coming from this proper motivation of relying on God and wanting to serve him. I think that that's a a really great reflection and just the point that, you know, God proves himself strong through our weaknesses. And a lot of times we don't want to let him do that (laughs) because we do want to be able to boast a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking in the context of chronic illness, but just in terms of identifying with what you're saying, any kind of uh, someone who has any kind of ambition, whether it be in a ministry or uh, professionally, or just to be good at being a mother or wife or whatever role you find yourself in, we all 
all have the temptation to put our identity and our value and our purpose into the things we are able to do or accomplish or achieve or the praise that we're able to get or the social status that we're able to climb up to. And God will use thorns like chronic illness, like so many other different, you know, trials and tribulations to keep us humble, Mm -hmm. but to keep us close to him. Um, which is the best place for us to be because we're like sometimes I feel this for me personally I'm like that wandering toddler you know who's not really listening to mom and dad's direction I'm going oh this looks cool let's go chase after this thing and God's like nope the safest spot is right next to me and I'll do whatever it takes to bring you back to a point where you recognize that so thank you so much for sharing those gospel-centered reflections for those of us listening who are not living with a chronic illness, but perhaps are caring for someone who is, are you able to shed some light on both helpful and unhelpful ways we might attempt to walk alongside that person? One of the most important things, I think, especially for family members and and very close friends, is to really resist the urge to want to fix the person. We do want to do what we can to to relieve people's pain, their physical pain, their emotional pain, but there really is this drive to want to try and make everything better when often that is not going to be possible. So I think that it's really important to recognize that urge when you are feeling that and to know that that's desire to fix can actually be discouraging to someone who has chronic illness to feel like they are letting you down when they don't feel better. It can almost impair their ability to find acceptance in the circumstances that God has placed them in. Um, so they're working really hard. Okay, God has given me this thorn in the flesh and I'm you know, taking it as it is. And then for a family member or somebody else to come in and try to fix things can be really difficult. So yeah, so I would say just really letting people with chronic illness take the lead on, on deciding um, what treatments they want to try, what appointments they want to do, what medications they want to try, like let them take the lead on that because it can be very exhausting and sometimes we need breaks. And to recognize when you have that urge to fix things, to recognize where it's coming from because a lot of times it's coming out of like personal feelings of helplessness, personal feelings of confusion and grief and coming out of that to think about what it looks like for you as someone who's caring for someone with chronic illness to grieve and for you to process those feelings of helplessness and how that impacts your relationship with God. So if fixing is kind of what we want to avoid, I would say the other side of that is just offering presence. You know, that really is probably the best gift that you can give to someone with chronic illness is to come alongside them, um, to offer your presence, to offer a listening ear, um, to listen instead of giving um, advice, and to really take the time to understand their reality, asking a lot of questions about what life is like for them and, and what their experience is like for them. Well, I would like to invite you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening to this episode who lives with chronic illness. What would you say to this person to encourage them to entrust their pain and suffering to God while resolving to walk by faith? 
I think I first want to validate how difficult it can be to live with chronic illness year after year and to say, first of all, to not skip over the grieving process. What really helped me with this was knowing that I could go to God with anything, that no matter what I was feeling and no matter what thoughts were going through my head, that I could trust God with those thoughts. There were so many times when I didn't feel positive and I didn't feel hopeful, but I did keep going back to God and I did keep talking to him and I did keep praying to him and seeking him out. And so I think that a lot of trusting God through chronic illness is just continuing to stay with him. Um, no matter what you're feeling, is to keep going to him. And I think that that's what I would encourage people to do, that walking by faith doesn't mean you have to always feel happy or positive, and that trusting God doesn't mean that either. Trusting God means that you keep going to him, even when things aren't going the way you want them to. Those are really good words of encouragement. Thank you, Esther, for sharing those with us today. I wonder if there's someone listening to this podcast who is interested in learning more about you and your ministry, is there somewhere where they can go online to connect with you? So I have a blog and it's called Life in Slow Motion and you can find it at lifeinslowmotionblog.com. It's where I first started writing about chronic illness. So you can find a lot of resources about chronic illness and chronic pain and mental health on that website. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us about your new book from PNR Publishing. It is part of the 31-day devotional series. I know I personally will be using it with people that I know who are walking through chronic illness, and I just pray it will be a huge blessing to the body of Christ, especially for those walking through chronic illness, but also those who are participating in the soul care of someone, and maybe they're even in a counseling context with that person. Um, I just think it's a really valuable tool in both instances for both counseling and for personal study. So thank you so much, Esther, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.